Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. We are, we are out of the bye week. We are ready for some more Detroit Lions action. We're going to bring it to you here on our Midweek Mailbag where we answer all of your Detroit Lions questions. Well, I guess technically not all of them. The ones that we like the most. <laughs> uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online and on Twitter, X, whatever. With me as always, helping me answer all of your questions is the managing editor of Pride of Detroit, is the machine, is Eric Schlitt on Twitter with a K. Don't forget it. Eric Schlitt <laughs> is here. Buddy, how are we doing tonight? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I was really looking forward to this show until I uh, tuned into your show last night mm. and uh, saw the fact that I have an egg coming my way uh, <laughs> that I was not prepared for. Oh. So, um... <laughs> Well, yeah, I gave you 24 hours to prepare for it mentally oh, and oh. physically. Oh, no, no, I've prepared now. I hope you're not ready. I hope you're not going to be wearing that nice new hoodie while you're doing it. Oh, no, no. This is is my my new hoodies coming off. But uh, yeah, (laughs) but uh, that is a good reminder that this is we're in the month of November or Movember as we do. We're raising money for the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, Hang out during our live feeds uh, where you get to see all of the crazy antics that we do during these streams. You can catch us on YouTube.com slash at Pride of Detroit or Twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. But let's get into the question portion Let's tarry no further. Let's jump right into it. And like we do with our, uh, our our Twitter spaces or whatever we were calling them, let's kick this off with our good friend Dan Pask, who asks on Twitter, as Eli Manning, I, I suppose he he's talking about, spoke about all night, uh, which the Jets wouldn't do because Bosa and Mac, to chip or not to chip? What do you think? And I assume this means to chip block to help your your tackles out with edge rushers mm-hmm. by chipping them either with a running back, a tight end, or maybe even a six offensive lineman. Um, do you have a strong opinion on chip blocking in general, or is it more situational mm-hmm. for your, for you? I think it's something you can do. It's a tool, right? Uh, I don't think it's necessary uh, because there are other ways to mitigate a, an explosive pass rush. They have two really dynamic pass rushers, actually a third if uh, if you start looking a little deeper on their bench as well. Uh, they'll utilize all three guys and, um, you know, throwing a chip at them every once in a while is a good idea. I don't think it's a an every down type of thing that you need to do, but it's to have it in your arsenal is, I think, a, a nice advantage to uh, to deploy. Yeah, I think I think part of it is that you can catch even some of the best edge rushers off guard with a chip. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the guy that's right in front of him, right? It could be a pulling tackle that comes in and helps chip. And I know it's sure. technically not called a chip when it's, you know, someone from the other side necessarily. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think it's smart to just give an edge rusher different looks. You don't want to do it every time. 
because then you're you're letting them kind of dictate what you do, right? And sometimes there's a player like that 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 is going to dictate what you want to do on offense. But the, the reason why what part of the reason I wanted to bring this up um <clears throat> was because we talked to Steve Hyden today, the tight ends coach, and we talked about blocking Max Crosby. And yeah, sometimes you're gonna have to rely on a tight end to do it. And and I know like there it's a Twitter meme, like never, never have your tight end one-on-one with an edge. And he kind of explained why they do it. And and of course he's like, well, we're not going to do it every time. We don't want that every yeah. time. We don't want to put our <laughs> players in a position like that every time. But at the same time, we want to run what we want to run. Yeah. We want our we want to enforce our will on the offense on the defense and not vice versa. And so, you know, it, it might, you know, you may want to think. Joey Bosa needs to be chipped every play or Khalil Mack needs to be chipped every play or whatever. The lines are going to ultimately do on offense what they want to do. And if that means they want their tight ends out in space, they're not going to chip as much. If they want their running backs out in space running routes, they're not going to do it as much. If they are comfortable with David Montgomery in there, chip blocking, they're going to do that. They're going to do essentially what they think is best for their offense. And sure, they're going to consider what's going on on defense, but ultimately they don't want to stray too far from what they're doing. And, and they kind of want to maintain the power in this relationship, so to speak of like, we want to do what we want to do. You can go ahead and try to do whatever you want. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you. Um, I think Bosa has been, he's, I think he's fully back from his injury now, yeah. or at least looks like he's pretty good. And um, you know, Mac, is uh, I think he's almost thirty three now, yeah, but he's he still, like eight or nine sex or something. Yeah, yeah, he's still he's still his uh, incredible self. Yeah, and so they have to be accounted for. The yeah. the fortunate part about the Chargers defense is that uh, you can attack the middle of yeah. the of that line, and so uh, you can do quick passes to eliminate that pass rush. You can do screens to eliminate them trying to get upfield too quickly. There's a lot of mitigating factors that you can incorporate to uh, to slow these guys down. Um, but but chipping, I think, definitely should be in the arsenal. Yep, and I'm sure it will be. Um, next question here from uh, Ryan in Toledo on Twitter asks, we have seen second half of the season improvements from this team in both of the first two years of this regime. Where do you see the most potential for a second half uh, of the season jump? Is it crazy to think it comes from the offense? So we were talking a little bit this uh, a little bit about this on the show yesterday, how, yeah, year one, they, they made some offensive changes. The offense improves. Year two, you obviously make some big changes on defense. Defense improves. So one, do you think there's potential for that happening again? And and yeah, where, where would you see it if, if it does happen? Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of little things that could happen. I, I think uh, almost at every point on their roster, you could see improvements here or there. Sure. Um, from, uh, you know, sometimes it's just little, you know, nitpicking things to other p- parts of the roster. You, you're looking for bigger improvements. Um, but I mean, look, Dan Campbell talked about the fact that they need to be more efficient in the red zone. Yep. Uh, you're hoping that a healthy interior offensive line plus David Montgomery helps cure that. Yep. Uh, but that was definitely something that was lagging the last three weeks with, when Montgomery and Jonah were both out. Yep. Um, turnovers could be a little bit better. Uh, they were ahead 
Now uh, they had a couple against the Raiders. So now they're back down to kind of even on the year. I think they're actually dead even have mm-hmm. as many takeaways as giveaways uh, through the first eight games. But it would be nice to get into the plus column uh, again there. Right. Sure. And so those are the two years. Uh, he talked about a third one. I'm, third, I'm the third quarter. Out. Was that? Oh, geez. Improvement yes. in the third uh, quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, coming out of that half slow right so yeah. i think i think i agree with all all three of those and and when you start looking at their stats um and I, you know stats are always subjective right sure. but when you start looking at these like overall kind of like general stats at the halfway point i think what the three things that dan campbell pointed out are all three very you know, spots that really show up, right? Yep. Like they're in the top 10 here. They're in the top 15 here. They're like, they're in the top half of the league in almost everything. And it's like, Oh wait, could be a little bit better in red zone efficiency. You could be a little bit better here. And so those are the areas that you'd like to see um, beyond just like the little nitpicking that you can do with every position group. Yeah. I guess if I were to pick out maybe a specific position group, I, I do think it might be pass rush. And, and I know, and we again talked about this a little bit yesterday. Like you look at the overall pressures and the lines are top five, top ten, whatever. But if you look at the 177. Time, but if you look at the time That's it's taking lot. for them to get there, they're one of the slowest to create pressure. And sure. um this is gonna bleed into to another question, but I, I think I think the Lions need to reimagine their their pass rushing overall strategy. I think mm-hmm. and we we've talked plenty about, you know, when when they're facing these mobile quarterbacks and, and they're going to continue to face mobile quarterbacks in the second half of the season. They've been all about mm-hmm. contain, right? Like, let's not lose our rushing lanes. Let's not allow people yep. to, to quarterbacks to get out of the pocket and either create more time or, or gain yards with their legs. And, and, and listen, they're not going to stray too far from that. That's, that's a core tenant. I think of what they want to do, but at the same yep. time, I think they also know that they can't just let the quarterback there sit, sit in the pocket for six seconds and and find someone wide open. I don't, I don't know if they have the guys on the back end to do that with all the injuries they've had back there. So fundamentally speaking, I think, I think they're going to try to find new ways to generate pressure. I feel like, I feel like the the one thing this regime has done very well of in those, in the past two years is recognizing areas of weakness around this time of year and changing how they do things. They're not afraid to change thing, how they do things fund like from a fundamental standpoint, you know, we, we we talk about the offensive changes they made in year one, but they also made pretty significant defensive changes, right? From that, they they they, they two gapped more after wanting to be more of an attacking defensive front. Um, so I I just don't think they're going to shy away from from significant schematic changes if they need it. And to me, that's that continues to be the place where I I'm concerned the most is I don't think they're bringing enough consistent fast pressure to quarterbacks mm-hmm. and and, that, and that'll lead to some of the stuff you were talking about like their their turnover numbers on defense have plummeted recently they're not they're not creating a ton of turnovers and i think a lot of that is due because they're they're not making quarterbacks uncomfortable that's the easiest way to create pressure is to create turnovers is to make your the opposing quarterback uh, uncomfortable so i don't know if i have any specific answers on what they're going to do but i think i think that's got to be an area of focus even if they're not saying it publicly i i do think the schematic approach is part of what's holding that back, right? Yeah. Cause yeah. in the last, in the last three games, you played a mobile quarterback that you, uh, in Lamar, which, you know, yep. torched them. You played a mobile quarterback in Baker who actually was better 
out of the pocket than in. So he was trying to get out all the time. And so they tried to play contain on him. Yep. And then when you had that stagnant quarterback in Garoppolo, um, they teed off and they got like right. what six sacks or whatever. Right. Yep. Um, but for me, I, I might tweak what you're saying and, and, and have it be more about like finishing. Right. Sure. Cause they have generated 177 pressures. Okay. So let's, let's, let's use the chargers as an example to, for perspective, the chargers have 170. So they have seven less pressures than the lions through eight games, <laughs> and they're but, in sacks. <laughs> but they have 31 sacks and the yeah. lions have 21. Right. Right. And so they're second in because, because they're come they're, they're finding ways to finish. And I think that's yeah. really the thing that's holding them back. 177 pressures, 21 sacks um that could be higher it should be higher and i mean and you could point at individuals but i really think the schematic approach to the mobile quarterback situation has really hindered them because half of their games it felt like were against mobile quarterbacks in the first half and so they were constantly playing contain instead of attack and you know this week i think they're going to get to attack and uh hopefully those sacks come up Herbert's got a, a little bit of movement to it. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. sure. He's yeah. he's not gonna you know run for eighty yards or anything like that. But oh, but, but he's this, he can move. He can move, and and you got Justin Fields, and and who knows what what's going to happen with with Josh Dobbs in Minnesota. Even even Jordan Love can move a little bit. So this isn't an issue that necessarily is going to go away in the second half. It we're, we're going right. to have to see how if they adjust. The caveat with the with the mobile quarterbacks that they've faced versus the mobile quarterbacks that are left on the schedule is the mobile quarterbacks they faced can also throw the ball, okay. whereas the ones in the back half, fair, a little fair. bit it, sketchy on that. That's fair. Um, kind of working its way into this conversation, a question from Camp Soup at, at Jamcar187 asks, how often does the Lions defense blitz compared to other teams in the NFL? And so let me start with the the very bare basics of the, the answer to this question. This is based on pro football reference. They have the fifth lowest blitz percentage in the league, which is at 21.5%. The league average is pretty close to 25%. Although I did recently see a uh, one of those charts um, showing how crazy Brian Flores is and sending six or more. The Lions are actually very close to average when, in, in terms of percentage of sending six players or more, but in terms of just overall blitz percentage, one of the lowest in the league. Um, I, I guess the question is there, there is, does that change? And maybe, maybe again, that's more game plan specific because it sure seemed like they blitzed a lot more against the Raiders last week. Yeah, I think that's, again, it's, yeah. it's schematic based on the type of quarterback. Yeah. Um, you didn't blitz Lamar, like, uh, but you right. blitzed Garoppolo like crazy because yep. he was there. Like you have a stationary target that you can go after. And so, yeah, I expect it. I expect Glenn to dial up the blitz when he gets the opportunity um, yeah. against, you know, and there's opponents that will, that will, you know, succumb to that pressure. So I, I like actually like the fact that he's dialed it back where he remember he used to be number one, sure. right? Like, and, and they were getting yep. burned because right. he was just like, he was sending everybody all the time. Yep. I like that. He dialed it back. Cause it goes against his gut, right? <laughs> like his, his, his gut it, instinct is right. to send everybody. And it shows um, an ability to change. Right. And that's what I like about it is yeah. that he said, man, my gut instinct is wrong here. And so let's back this off. But I, I do like that he's letting some of it leak out as well, because 
He's shown good timing with it. Uh, when to, when to let the guys go loose. And, you know, it's, it's the sacks. They come in bunches sometimes because when you turn somebody loose and they get rattled, you just, he just starts firing them off at them. Like yep. that, we saw that with, it was like a Anzalone and then a, and a playoff and then a leap and then Anzalone again. And then it was like, yeah, off yeah. the field, right. Right. So I, I like his approach better uh, to blitzing. Yeah. I wish they would change their contain approach against yeah. mobile quarterbacks a little bit more. Maybe they will. That goes into like what we talked, what the, one of the questions earlier, which was right. what kind of changes might they be making? That would be nice to see that change. I, the, the one thing I will say that's at least a little bit surprising about the blitz rate is that obviously blitzing in general is, is very game specific too, game situation. So not just who you're playing, not just the opponents you're playing, but the actual game situation you're in. And since the Lions, one, they're good against the run. They should be getting into a lot of third and longs, which means more chances to blitz. But they're also jumping out to big leads, right? They've, they've won all five out of the six wins have been by two possessions, which means at some point in that game, their opponents are going very pass heavy, which again, and more opportunities to blitz, more opportunities to send pressure. Yet they the, the fact that they're still, despite being in those very blitz friendly situations in just about every game this year, obviously Baltimore excluded. It's, <laughs> it's a little bit surprising to, to see their blitz percentage so low. And, and so like, I think they've pulled back a little bit too much at this point. I'd like to see them push okay. it back up. Um, and, and, be, and, and, and the results speak for themselves to me, that Raiders game, that, that wasn't a bad Raiders offensive line, by the way, that was actually one of the better in, in pass, 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 pass blocking. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They were like a top yeah. 10 unit in the league and, and the lions, rose to the occasion and I think partially because of the blitz. And so let's, let's push a little bit more in that direction. I, <laughs> I, I think, I think there's something there. Well, keep in mind of those six sacks, it was Anzalone had two, Tracy yep. Walker had one right, right. and Aleem had two. Yeah. Right. So like you really were getting it from your non-traditional yeah. uh, guys, right? The yep. only edge guy that got one was Julian. Julian. So, um, and it's the blitz got home three times in that game. And I'd like to see more of it. I'm I'm with you. All right. Uh, sticking with the defensive line here. I uh, got a lot of questions about this guy this week. Uh, Lions fans 860 asks, what is the plan with Broderick Martin going forward? Very mixed results in his debut. And, it, and is it going to cost bugs or Benito Jones is bugs still in the doghouse? Well, I do think Martin is going to get a better some more opportunities in the second half. And I do think it will come at the cost of bugs. Yeah. Uh, Benito is a guy that they tend, they've shown a lot of preference towards. Um, and that kind of DT three spot, it, it was Levi. Then it was bugs for a while. And, and then to get Martin on the field, that's kind of the way they go. They went this week was to put Martin in and bugs to the bench, but it's just, it's, it's a numbers game. Like they, they, the way that they play, yeah. they only keep three interior guys active. And if your starters are Aleem and Benito, somebody, something's got to give with, with the remaining guys. And right now, and last week it was Martin getting his opportunity. And I think Martin has the most potential. Yeah. So I do think it will come at the expense of bugs. Probably not Benito though. Yeah, it, to me, it's it, it's still kind of hard to read this situation and what they really think about Project Martin. I mean, obviously, 
the expectation is he's going to be a huge contributor. You don't draft someone in in, in the was it the end of the second third. round or third? It was the third. Third. Okay. Third. Um, without an expectation for him to be a significant part of your defense, but I mean, we we talked <laughs> we talked we talked to John Scott today, and he was asked about Project Martin, and he gave a lot of like. It's a huge learning curve. There was a lot of good and bad and, and like a lot of very non compliments, but trying to, you know, soften the landing, so to speak. Sure. And sure. so would it surprise me at all if Roderick Martin was inactive on Sunday? Not even in the slice. No. Not even no. in the slice. I, I'm with you. He, I mean, he wasn't particularly good. I think we, we can be honest with how he performed. Um, he was he was in on the first five or six plays of the one good offensive drive from the Raiders on Monday night. And a lot of that was just running right up the middle. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that matters like this, this team, especially against a good opponent, like the chargers and a, a decent running game with a good running back. I think you could very much see him pull back. I do think, but like we certainly haven't seen the lot last of Broderick Martin. He's going to get significant playing time in the second half of the season, because I think, I think he's starting to earn it in practice, but at the same time, this team I don't know this team is is carrying two different priorities this year. Whereas last in the previous years, it's like let's develop our young players. That that is primary goal number one. If we get a wild card, awesome, that's great. Now you're competitors. Now you're a team that that, that you're not only striving to win the division, not only striving to make the playoffs, you're striving for some postseason success. And so that might mean pulling a little bit back on developing some of your young guys if they're a liability out there. And that's that's the conundrum that you have with Broderick Martin because you want to develop this guy. You don't want to ride him on the bench for the only way a guy coming from Western Kentucky is going to get better is being out there on the field. And so it's kind of an interesting push and pull with with a guy like him. But I think maybe in, in, in a week like this, this might be a, a week to pull him back a little bit. I, I really think the performance during the week is going to dictate who plays it usually right? does yeah right um they're yeah they're very heavy-handed with with that is while bugs might be a better matchup if martin has the better week of practice then they're going to play martin yeah and and that could and so i don't know if there's anything that we can definitively say other than right. we don't know, yeah. like it's going to depend on the players and it's going to depend on what they do from week to week. And um, I think beyond the, the, the starters, it, that third spot's going to be a weekly up for grabs position. Yep. No question. All right, let's take a break. When we come back more of your lions questions here on the midweek mailbag, we'll be right back. And we are back here on the midweek mailbag. Myself, Jeremy Reisman and Eric Schlitt answering your questions here live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit or youtube.com slash at pride of Detroit as well. Let's jump right back into it. Uh, we we answered a lot of questions about the defensive line. So we're going to pick up right where we left off here from Optimus Grime on Twitter at Kevin McAllister. 
asks, your thoughts on increasing Barnes's role as the Sam slash edge rusher in passing situations and discontinuing Jack Campbell's usage as the Sam until Houston comes back. Feels like Barnes and Houston have similar body types and at least Barnes rushed off the edge in college. What do you think of that plan? I think if you would have asked me a, a week or two ago, I would have said no. And I think we might have even talked about this a week or maybe even three maybe. weeks ago. Um, yeah. And I think I did say no, right? Um, because they were he's he's been Barnes has been so good against the run yeah. that I think moving him off the off ball spot uh, was a, a step in the wrong direction. But last game. We saw a heavy dose of Jack Campbell, yeah. and we might be looking at a changing of the guard there. And if we are, then I'm all for trying to get Barnes uh, on the field in a different way, right? Yeah. And so if that's if that's the Sam, great, because you know he he was he was a good pass rusher at, at Purdue, and he hasn't done it in a few years, so there's going to be some rust that goes into that. But at the same time, there concept of getting the best players on the field uh, i think it, it's there's some merit here to say that barnes is could be their one of their best options in that role so i i'd be uh i'd be open to it it's interesting because i'm not sure i'm not sure the lions view him that way but he did it earlier this year and and i asked him about it and when i asked him about it i have never seen that man light up like he did I remember him saying like he, he was so excited. He called his girlfriend or his wife. He's like, I'm going to get to pass rush, baby. I'm going to get to pass. Like he was so excited to go back and do that. And so if they approach him, he's going to be like, he's going to be all in my, my question though is, can he, can he do it? Cause it's one thing to do it at Purdue. It's another thing yeah. to do it four years later or whatever at the NFL level. And I don't know if that gets them any closer where they need to be in terms of their pass rush. I'd rather see them continue to maybe even give Julie like Julian's has, has two sacks in his last three games. Right. Maybe give Charles Harris some of those rep opportunities, give him another chance to, to improve. I just, it's tough for me because I don't know if Jack Campbell or Derek Barnes are truly cut out to be the pass rushing types in the NFL. I just don't know if they have those pass rushing chops. They have, they have the size, they have the speed. I get all that, but there's so much more to the position. There's so there's so much more savviness and, and technique that, that both those guys really need to up their games at to become a, an efficient. And I, I don't know if they have that in them. And so yeah, I, I, I think you ahead. hit the nail on the head, though. I was yeah. going to say, I think you hit the nail on the head with the Julian thing. I think yeah. Julian is the biggest obstacle because they've been leaning on Julian a, a little bit more each of the last few games since he's returned from injury. So yeah. That that's probably the biggest obstacle, and I think the increased usage of Julian is what prompted them to put Jack at Mike a little bit more, and that's why we've gotten into this situation. You just putting Jack at Mike was, was, yeah. was confusing. Putting because, Jack Campbell at Mike. Yes, there you go. Because yes. Jack is also sometimes oh, referred yeah. to as the the Sam. But either way, yes. um, it, it, yeah, it, it it'll be interesting, and you know we're coming out of by here. We, we just mentioned at the top of the show, this is maybe an opportunity where they're going to come out and, and show some different looks now that they've had a, a week to self-scout. And considering they scaled back Jack Campbell a bunch last week against the Raiders, we're going to find out whether that was a permanent thing or whether that was a matchup specific thing. We still don't really know any of that. So 
I don't think Jack Campbell at the edge is going to completely go away based on the way some of the, th- some of the coaches are still talking about, but I, but I do think maybe they're going to scale it back a little bit. Um, next question here from Oaxaca Lions fan as how much have we seen Gibbs and Montgomery in two back sets so far? And do you think that might increase now that Gibbs has broken out? We've only seen it a handful of times. Yeah. Um, one, I think it was a trust issue with Gibbs. They were still trying to learn how much they could lean on him. Uh, and then Montgomery gets hurt. So they've only been on. And then even Gibbs was hurt uh, a couple of the, uh, one right. of those games when Montgomery wasn't. So they've only been on, the, you know, playing together, I think like four games, maybe, right? That's so, um, so we've only seen that a handful of times. At the same time, they are both really good, right? And Montgomery is one of the most efficient backs in the league. Uh, Gibbs is one of the most explosive backs in the league. And so they trust each of them and what they can do. I mean, both of them have a game over, over 150 yards rushing, right? That Montgomery had that one early in the season, right? Or at least close to close, it. Yeah. If it wasn't, if it wasn't 150, it was close to it. Um, maybe 140, I think, or something. But my point is they have two backs that can both go hit the hundred mark. Yeah. And so I think they're going to find ways to try and get them as many touches as they can. So two back sets, we've been calling for it, asking for it for a long time. It The trust factor with Gibbs now, I think, lends itself to that because yeah. now you can't – look, they're both such good pass catchers. You can put two of those guys on the, out on the field, get the defense to go into a base counter, and then spread them out wide. And yeah. then go five wide, empty. You know what I mean? And if right. you go empty with those, then what are you going to do? Then you're in tr- Then the defense is in trouble and you got mismatches wherever you want them. So I'm for it. I think Ben Johnson's creative enough, creative enough to make it happen. So let's hope to see it more. Yeah. And I think it's it's not only just a trust issue, which I think is very much part of it, right? It's, it's we, we hear from the coaching staff all the time how they need to be able to trust their players and, and reliability is so important. And now that they have that in Jameer Gibbs, yeah, they're going to entrust him to do more things. But it's also the fact that now there's on tape. Jameer Gibbs can run between the tackles. David Montgomery can run between the tackles. Jameer Gibbs can catch passes out wide. David Montgomery can catch passes out wide. All of that is now on tape in this offense. And the lines can play around with that so much now. Now they can put both those guys out there. Now it's not a tell if David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs are both on the field. It's not a tell that Jameer Gibbs is going to be the one running the route. It could be either. And I think having that on tape, having that mystery. I mean, how often do we say that what Ben Johnson does so well is run the same play from different formations or run different the the opposite of that? The, a different play, play the same from the same formation. formation. Exactly. Yes. Um, now you can do that with two running back sets. And yeah, and I, I, I think, I think you're right. I think, I think you have an offensive coordinator that is smart enough to know that you need to get your best guys out there. And it's smart enough in, to know ways to disguise how they're going to play those players and find out creative ways to get them open. I think again, you, you, you made an excellent point about the fact that, you can't just, it's not just roles. Both guys can do it all yep. at this point. And when you have both guys that can do it all, that's a nightmare for, for, uh, d- uh, for run defenses. So yep. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the back half here. Let's hope that 
that they we finally get what we've been asking for 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 years. And and Dan Campbell said this week, you know, Gibbs is going to get his touches. So anyone who's concerned that Montgomery is back and now that means, you know, five to ten touches for Jameer Gibbs, I think you'll see over ten consistently still from both guys. Um, all right. Next question here. Uh, this 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 is the part we're calling the Jameson Williams section because we continue to get a lot of questions about Jameson Williams and understandably so. So let's just smush two of them together here. Uh, okay. from, Va- from Van House asks, I feel like they need to get JMO involved early. I think his nerves get it, get the best of him, then has a drop and it's all over. How about a jet sweep or a quick slant early to build his confidence? And then Lions Tape at the Sheep Trades asks, why aren't they incorporating JMO in different ways, such as more screens, tosses, handoff, quick slants? So quick slants is the answer to all of the Jamison Williams problems. True or untrue? Well, I honestly, I think that the reason that they don't use those, those more is because that's what they use Khalif for, right? Like that's Khalif. That's a thing that where Khalif is really good. Um, he's had some, you know, they've also had a couple hiccups trying to pull those off as well, where they've tried to do a, a quick sweep or maybe a, a quick screen or something like that. Um, and they haven't been able to execute it as, as well as maybe they would have liked. So it, one, it, it, I think that kind of cuts into Khalif. So if you go back to the one thing, if you go back to like those quick slants, though, I do think that lends itself more to how they envision him. Yeah. Um, especially because. He's caught a couple of deep balls now that uh, corners are now accounting for his speed and giving him a big cushion. Right. And so if they're going to give him a big cushion, yeah, run a run a slant, run a quick slant, get him the ball and just let him go. He's tough enough to go over the middle. He's he's not going to shy away from that. Um, so if you get in a situation where you get a cushion, yeah. Run it! Just get that ball in his hands quick and and see what he can do. I like the idea of of, of maybe like a jet sweep to get him involved early. I don't think it's necessary. Um, I don't think it's as necessary to get him involved early. I do like the idea of that though because I I, I just think putting defenses on notice of his speed right off the bat gets them on their toes and a bit jumping. Thinking about it, right? It makes them start yeah. thinking about that sort of stuff. Yep. And listen, I'm. I, here's the thing. I don't, there's this idea. There's this notion out there that Jamison Williams is only getting the ball at deep shots. And I feel like that's not accurate. They tried a couple different things last week against the Raiders, mm-hmm. right? They had the big negative play that went to Jamison Williams. that didn't work. They did a, I can't remember what exactly the play was. I remember where on the field it was, but he kind of alligator armed it. He, he had a drop. He, he had an interior route, I think against the Bucks that he was about to get hit. He alligator armed it. Like I think, I think they've been doing a good job trying to get it in his hands a a bunch of different ways. And I think the reason we all think the deep shot is the only thing that they're doing is because that's what he's best at. I think some Mm. of this other stuff, like this, this quick slants, I don't know how good Jameson Williams releases. I haven't seen a lot. It it, it needs work. Well, if they get a big cushion, though, that's the right. thing is, is, is if you can run him off, sure. right, if you can run yes. that guy, that corner off and you get that cushion, then right. you can come back with a quick sure. release. You're not going to get a quick release like on the in the first series or anything like that. Right. Like you're going to have to work up to it. Um, but he, it's I not mean, he, had, he had that comeback route against the Bucks where he just at, like he used wide it, open, he stopped on a wide dime, open. wide open. Yep. They've Missed tried him. it. 
and, and yep. it's just it's just not there yet. And so mm-hmm. I think part of the reason, the only reason we're remembering the big plays for JMO is the deep balls because those are the ones he's capable of making right now. And and I also sure. want to push back on this idea that we need to build up Jamison Williams's confidence throughout the game. We have to give him some easy touches so that he doesn't drop the ball later in the game. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I don't think Jamison Williams drops as a confidence issue. I don't think Jamison Williams has a confidence issue at all. If you talk to him about drops, he acts like it's not a big deal. And you can, you can view that either in a positive or negative way. In a positive way, it's water off a duck's back. It, it's not something that consumes its thoughts. I don't think he has the yips. I don't think it has anything to do with that. Or you could say he doesn't take it seriously enough. He needs to work on his mechanics. He needs to do more time at the jug machine, whatever. You, you can take either side of that. You can take neither side of that. I think his problem with the drops is concentration. I think that's it. I think I think it's as simple as that. I think he's he's either overthinking, but it's not a confidence issue. It's just there's there's too much going on in his head, or there's not enough going on in his head. Whatever it is, I brought this up in in a break during one of our podcasts. Go back and watch the touchdown run from Jameer Gibbs against the Ravens. Look at what 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 uh, Jamison Williams is doing in that play. He's lined up offsides. He breaks the. When the ball snapped, he's about two seconds late to react. That to me is a concentration thing. All of this is to me falls under the same cloud where this guy is just, he's not concentrating where he needs to be. I don't think it's a confidence thing. I think the guy has just got to get his head in the game a little bit more. And it's not that he doesn't like football. It's not that he's disinterested. It's none of that. It's just, there's, there's something about concentrating on the details that he's not doing. And I think that that's why a lot of this stuff, a lot of the quick timing routes, right? Like when you want to click quick slant or a quarterback or a wide receiver screen, all of that is about fine tuned details. If you know anything about Ben Johnson or this offense, they are obsessive over the details. And so if you want comeback routes, if you want quick slants, all of those things need to be precise. And that is precisely what Jamison Williams is not good at right now. And so I think that's, that's why you have the pay the, the picture of Jamison Williams that we have right now. He's not doing the details right. There's some concentration issues. But the one thing he can do is if that ball is hanging up in the air for 10 seconds, he can run the hell under it and catch it. If he's going to make noise this week, it's probably going to be on the underneath stuff because the uh, Chargers uh, run this the Fangio shell which mm-hmm. is basically they want to prevent everything from being deep. So they drop two single, two safeties high and they run uh, like a shell coverage with their corners. And so this is a game where you're going to run somebody underneath and draw linebackers down and then hit the guy over the middle. Right. And so yep. it's going to be a lot of, a lot of St. Brown, a lot of Laporta where you're going to like use one guy to open the other and stuff yep. like that. And you can use Jamison in that way. You can also use him to run off that shell and open up underneath as well. And I think that's where his role is going to be uh, utilized is against this against this defense. But if he's going to catch the ball. It's probably not going to be deep unless they think like they can get they they have something on the Chargers on a specific play or something like that because it's it the Chargers defense is designed to try and take the big shots away so yeah. maybe we'll get to see more maybe we'll get to see a slant or a square in or something you know yeah um, because 
it, it, but I'm telling you, like it's every single step needs to be right. No, I, right? no, I hear you. I hear you. And, and if you run the right, right, if you run the right scheme against this shell, you can get guys in wide open gaps, True. right? Yeah. But you'd almost have to design him to be running into that gap, and then you have to trust that you're going to be able to hit it. At the same time. You could run the same play with St. Brown and know it's going to work. Right. So, so right now, and, and and you know, we're talking about this game, but like right now, they're probably going to run that play with St. Brown or yeah. Josh Reynolds. Right. Or, or Sam Laporta, because like those guys have shown they can do it. I don't know if this is going to be the week that JMO breaks out. So be patient a little bit longer. The right <laughs> defense is going to come where they're going to run a single high and he's going to split them and it's going to go. And, uh, but this is going to be a tougher week to see something like that. And if he's going to make noise, like I said, the underneath stuff is probably where it's at. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point to, to kind of mirror it with St. Brown, a guy who is all about precision, who has that chemistry with Jared Goff, where he can make the throw blindfolded he can make the throw with his eyes closed they're not there with Jamison Williams and 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 to be clear I don't want to seem like I'm piling on the guy that stuff can come those that those details can come the focus can come all that sort of stuff I'm not giving up on Jamison Williams I'm just kind of giving you the overview of why he hasn't been successful on anything other than the deep stuff is just that part of his game is not developed yet and you wish it had been developed by now but that doesn't mean it's not going to develop so I feel like I got worked up there about Jamison Williams and I'm not trying to bury the kid. I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm not saying his <laughs> career's over. Just some of the stuff that, that you want to see aren't, isn't there yet. And, and hopefully it does develop, but I think for now we're going to close things out there. If you want more mailbag, more content, you can always head over to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash at pride of Detroit. Watch the replay of this where we spent over an hour during our first break. And we're going to have even more content after this uh, this final segment ends. Uh, you can also go to twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit. Do the same thing. But for Eric, for myself, Jeremy Reisman, we'll see you next time. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>